Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm Andy Baylog. And I'm Jordan Pine. Let's get started. Today, we are studying a verse from the Gospel of Matthew, that came with a question posted on our discussion forum. It's a great question, so we decided to turn it into a full 20-minute Bible study. Join us now as we listen to the Word of God. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 11 and 12. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist, Yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. Matthew 11, 11 and 12. Listener Paul wrote to us regarding that last verse. He asked, It appears Jesus is speaking in the present tense, and he gives a timeline. He cannot be referring to the millennial kingdom of heaven. So is he speaking about a spiritual kingdom of heaven or the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven? What or which kingdom of heaven is suffering violence? Andy, let's begin with the space method. The word space here is an acronym. SP represents the word speaker. A represents the audience. C, context. And E, explanation. Thus, space, S-P-A-C-E. We created this acronym to remind Bible students to consider the speaker, audience, and context before attempting an explanation or interpretation of the scripture being studied. If we look at the entire passage around Matthew 11, 11 through 12, we find the answers to the first two space questions and part of the third. So let's go back to verse 7 and I'll start reading. As these men were going away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Then Andy, go ahead and pick up in verse 11, please. Sure, Jordan. Verse 11 reads, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there is not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, John himself is Elijah who was to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
So we have the answers to the first two space questions from that passage. Who is the speaker, Andy? Well, it's evident here that in, as we look back at verse 7, Jesus Christ is the speaker. Okay, and who is the audience? So as we see in verse 7 again, Jordan, the audience here is the crowds. And that basically means Jesus was addressing the Jews, or more precisely, the nation of Israel. But however, if we notice in verse 15, we'll see that there's a flag for the spiritually mature to pay attention to what Jesus was saying. This means that the passage also has a deeper meaning for those with the spiritual ears to hear it. So, Jordan, my question to you is, what is the context of this passage? Well, there are several ways to address context. We can look at where this passage appears in time or history, and we can also look at it geographically and culturally. But the first and best way to put any verse or passage in context is to look at where it is in the Bible. For instance, what happened in Matthew 10, the chapter before Matthew 11, which is before Jesus said this to the nation of Israel? Well, if we look at 10.1, for example, we see Jesus sending out his disciples. And look at what he tells them in verses 5 through 7 of chapter 10. It reads, These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them, Do not go in the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And here I want to bring back verse 14 of the next chapter, which comes right after the verses that we're studying today. All right, I'll pick that up. Okay. And if you're willing to accept it, John himself is Elijah who was to come. So here we know that Elijah being, according to prophecy, the one who would come before the Messiah established his earthly kingdom. And also in the verse before our scripture reading in verse 10, Jesus alludes to this by quoting a famous prophecy of Isaiah, which says, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. So now we can attempt an explanation or interpretation of today's Bible reading and try to answer the question. The key verse again is verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. So let's just stop there, Andy. What does that now mean, understanding the speaker of the audience in the context? Sure, Jordan. So, okay, Paul's question again it appears Jesus is speaking in the present tense and he gives a timeline. But he cannot be referring to the millennial kingdom of heaven. So is he speaking about a spiritual kingdom of heaven or the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven? What or which kingdom of heaven is suffering this violence that Jesus is talking about? So perhaps it's now clear that the premise of his question is incorrect, Andy. Jesus is indeed speaking of the millennial kingdom of heaven. Yes, and, uh, you know, this is a deeper mystery, a kind of uh, time paradox, if you will. But it is clear from verse 14, from 14, that if the kingdom of heaven had not suffered violence, or if violent men had not tried to take it by force, or if the nation of Israel had just accepted Jesus as their Messiah, or had not killed Jesus and his prophet being Elijah, and persecuted his followers, who were the apostles, then John the Baptist would have been Elijah, per se, and the kingdom would have begun 2,000 years ago, right after this time period. So instead, we anxiously await that kingdom and our Lord's second coming is really what the church is doing now. Yeah, that, that's the time paradox that we're talking about. And, and it's a little difficult to understand because, you again, you have to go through the space process and then dwell on it for a while prayerfully because 
you know, trying to understand. It's it's like anytime you see a movie where you know they go b- back in time and forward in time, and they create a paradox, and your your brain is like hurting because you're trying to understand. Like, well, well, if they did that, then this never would have happened. And really, that's what we're we're seeing here in the Bible a little bit is this idea that who was John the Baptist? John the Baptist could have been Elijah because prophecy said Elijah would precede the coming of the Messiah. But because of Israel's actions and their rejection of their Messiah, John the Baptist was John the Baptist. And Elijah will come in the future. We can get into Revelation someday and talk about those passages. Elijah will come in the future and herald the second coming, if you will, which will be the the true coming of of the Messiah as king on the earth. And and if you don't really get all that time paradox stuff, then you're not going to fully understand this message. Yeah, it's a, a very very good point. Um, you know, in in your in your explanation, which was good, it made me it kind of made me think of a certain scripture that often pops in my head when. For instance, the listener or, or the reader might read certain scriptures or passages and might feel that, man, this sounds like a contradiction. I just don't get it, mm-hmm. right? How could this be true? But you've got to look at some of the the baseline facts of the Bible. And one of the basic key things we need to understand is that God is not a man that he should lie, right? And And God is not a God of contradiction. There's always a reason just because sometimes we won't understand if you look at the Bible in its entirety and do your research and your due diligence, you'll find scriptures that fit the way they're supposed to. Sometimes it even, it means going back to some of the older, um, you know, Greek text or Hebrew text to get a better right. explanation of what those words mean. Because in the, in the more modern translations, we lose a lot of that. But the point of, of what I'm bringing out here is that, you know, Jesus said that, you know, Elijah would be the one that's coming now. And um, that's who John the Baptist would be. But he wasn't actually telling a lie because he was giving typology. Right. Meaning that when Jesus comes back, there will be a time, obviously the Jews at the time thought it would be then, 2000 years ago. Mm-hmm. But you know, based on the points that we both just gave, we know that it didn't happen. So we know, according to scripture, and we've done studies in the past about this, and you could visit our website and, and, and get some of our older uh, sermons or teachings about, you know, when the second coming will be. But we know that it's close, right? Um, kind of like a, a, a woman ready to give birth. You don't know the minute or the day or the hour, but you could tell, you know, it's close. So right. any day we, now. Any day now, absolutely. <laughs> that being said, who are today, who would represent the John the Baptists? Right. Um, you know, the ones who would come out and and kind of pave the way for the Messiah before he comes. So in, in typology, Jordan, what we have to assume is that there's people today that are preparing the way for the second coming of the Messiah, the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I truly feel spiritually that what our ministry is doing and any other Bible study or church or denomination of Christianity that encourages and prepares people for the second coming of Christ, that teaches prophecy and eschatology, uh, detailed scripturally about the Bible, kind of falls into the typology of what John the Baptist was, right? And of course, I know a lot of our a lot of our listeners might say, well, yeah, we know that there's going to be beheadings and after the rapture during the thousand year tribulation, and that's true. Um, and that's again, those are for people though right now that aren't saved yet. Right. That at the preaching of the 144,000, right. we'll, we'll start to begin and, and see the light and understand that, you know, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near because the Messiah is coming. And that's more for Israel, repented Israel. But right now there's Christians that will be raptured, that understand that Jesus is close. 
And in typology, I believe that that's all of us that are excited and have joy in their heart about the second coming and that share this message. Not only, you know, John 3, 16, Jesus died for us. He paid for the sins of the world. And if we believe in him, we'll have everlasting life. There's more to it. There's also that whole side of, you know, let's live righteously and holy and repent and get prepared because our Messiah is coming and he's he's seeking his bride without spot, blemish, and wrinkle. All right, Andy, I want to build on what you're saying. It's a very interesting point. So you're talking about besides the time paradox and besides the literal fulfillment of this prophecy and all the things that God is going to do and the fact that we read we read um, prophecy as saying Elijah will actually come back, but you're saying we can also take it sort of metaphorically or typologically, if Absolutely. you will, and take it as take it inspirationally to say that yes. you know that this the church back then it was the nation of Israel, right? It's very clear from our reading that it was the the whole ministry, the early ministry in particular, when John the Baptist was was giving his ministry and Jesus's early ministry was all specifically to Israel, the the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It even says, as I was reading in Matthew 10. Don't go to the Samaritans. Don't go to the Gentiles. Go to Israel. But now, if we look at it today, well, who's the Israel of today, if you will? It's, it's the, the church. It's the church. Yep. And and because you know we think and and the and the prophecy indicates that we're so close potentially to the end that the church needs the same kind of waking up and and ministry that that Israel did. I mean, think about it. Israel had been around for generations and they were kind of calcified and they were very legalistic and and we can kind of see some of those things in the church today and this need to go to them and say what john the baptist said repent you know turn back sure you know mend your ways you know they even got baptized as as a renewal you know to to get to get right with god because the messiah is coming yeah powerful and and agreed i think we're definitely on the same point here and and then you you just brought up a big word too and for clarification of our listeners, I, I want to maybe let's talk about the word repent. Mm. I believe that a majority of, especially new Christians, um, and maybe certain people from other denominations, maybe from Catholicism or you know wherever they might have come, um, who are starting to learn more about like Orthodox Christianity, if you will. Right. The word repent is is often been um, you know I guess you could say thrown into the mix with someone who is just becoming a Christian. But when we look and study the word repent and look at it to what the, the Greek translates it from, you know, the way Jesus meant it towards Israel, who, again, if the context of Israel back then is is similar to the church today, when Jesus was telling Israel repent, he wasn't telling them, oh, hey, look, you guys are worshiping the moon and I'm, I'm here to tell you I am the way, the truth, and the light. No, what he was saying is that you Israel are on the right track. Right. You guys, you guys are the ones who will be safe, who will be saved. And um, somewhere along the line, you guys fell off track. And I'm here to tell you, listen, you guys picked up the ways of the world. You started falling away. You picked up false doctrines. You became carnal. You became worldly. I'm here to tell you, you know, time to uh, sh- get things into shape again um, and repent. Literally. In the Greek means to walk backwards. Right. So if I was to tell someone who is maybe an atheist or someone who is, uh, you know, um, maybe maybe from Islam or some some something like that, that's pantheistic. Or, yeah, whatever right. it might be, and tell them, you know, you need to repent, or according to what Jesus said in the Greek, was walk back. It's it's it just doesn't make sense. Right. So it's it not doesn't. The right word. It's not the right word, and it doesn't fit. But he did use that word. So if we look at it in context, according to our, you know, space profile of how we look and study scripture, 
the context here of, of that particular application of the word repent is towards a group of people, Christians. Now let's be able to reciprocate that today. Christians who, again, all the things I just mentioned fell away, slightly apostated or tremendously apostated or just completely lost feeling or lost hope in, in church in general, that they would have that awakening, if you will, and say, listen, Jesus is telling us here, he's warning us, we need to get back on track, not necessarily with, you know, um, what a, a local church might say or what, however way I grew up or whatever it might be. But he's saying, look, get right with scripture, get right with what God is saying through right. his word, which is the ultimate standard of what we follow and go back, walk back. So again, it wouldn't apply to someone who's, who's not a Christian to even right. tell them to repent. So it's just something I, I thought that it's critical to understand in context when we're studying these verses. It's very critical, and we're going to repeat it again and again. And by the way, you know, listener Paul is a great questioner. He's excellent. He's always sending in thoughtful questions. And this is one of the things that, that uh, he and I have talked about several times, because he'll send me a passage like this one, and I'll ask his questions. And, and I, I love his questioning spirit. And a lot of times the answer is, who is the audience, right? Like what you're saying. So if it's talking about repentance, it's talking about Israel. It's talking to Israel. And then you have to look for little key words like we read at the very end, you know, about he who has ears, let him hear. That's like a little, like you said, a flag, a little call out to the church that this yeah. is also going to be for you. There's something deeper here. And, and what you're saying too about lost people can't repent, it, it's critical. And you even see it in the ministry of Jesus. So, it, I mean, in the early ministry. So it starts with, you know, repent and then it just migrates to faith. And by the time that the, the disciples are going out and converting Gentiles and people, they're not saying repent and be baptized. They're saying, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Like the message actually shifts in the Bible, if you read it, to a, a pure faith message, because a lot of times they're going to be talking to people who were never, who weren't Jews, who weren't already on the right track, as you were saying. So, so that, that's kind of the distinction. And, and it gets confusing a lot of times also, because a lot of things that were said to Israel back then in Jesus's ministry are sound like works and and people wrestle with that right because like there, there's some mention of works in here and i thought that salvation was by you know by faith you know through grace and there's no works it says in ephesians you know not works lest lest we should boast but then other things seem to, to be talking about works and the whole the whole way to clear that confusion up is to always understand the audience because if you're talking to the nation of israel which had been on the right track as you said and fell off the track there are works involved in that that act of repentance. If you're talking to someone who's having faith for the first time, converting from from lost to saved, then there is no works. It's a pure it's a pure faith act. So yeah, y you have to understand that to understand the the entire New Testament, really. Yeah, you 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 brought up a very 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 solid powerful point, and it's the it's the line in the sand between understanding doctrine. I can't tell you how many times social media, Instagram, Facebook conversationally 80 year olds or 18 year olds are are now having these constant arguments and discussions about doctrine whether or not a person can lose their salvation or not right but the truth is and some of our older listeners and older members are aware of this teaching already because you know we've kind of really tried to nail this home for them to understand the difference between salvation of the spirit and salvation of the soul. Mm -hmm. Two distinct salvations that the Bible specifically talks about. And if you have ever, um, you know, if, if this is the first time or one of the early times you're listening to our ministry, please go to our website. It's very easy. It's www.mo.com 
tk.org. Go to archive, look at some of our older ser- uh, sermons that or episodes that we've recorded, and and just look at some of the titles that are talk about the different salvations. And believe me, every time Jordan and I do, you know do our research, it's going to be based on scripture. It's not opinion based. We definitely do our own due diligence and do our own research to support what we're trying to bring out. And again, this is not to our benefit. It's to help clarify our brother, our brothers in the church to understand and not to make division, but to kind of bring every side together and have a clear understanding of this doctrine of salvation. So, you know, understanding that, you know, grace is not, it's not by works. It's strictly by faith and it's by God's grace versus working righteously and living righteously and repenting. But that's for a different goal and that's for a different purpose. And um, I know that in, in you know, the upcoming weeks, weeks, maybe we'll do a little bit, we'll touch on that a little bit more. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about it. Yeah, Andy, and thanks for uh, mentioning the website. We, uh, we want to thank Paul again for his excellent question and also remind all of our listeners that they can engage with Paul and other Bible students as well, plus post their own questions and, and um, just, just get a general conversation going about some of these deeper, harder to understand things. We can explore scripture together on our discussion forum. Just go to, as you said, 20mbs.org and click on Discuss. That's 20mbs.org. And that's our lesson, which means we have just a few minutes to explain our initiative, Get 20, Give 20. Get 20 is our reminder that you can get a 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website. We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or download them for later or even subscribe to the podcast version and have new lessons automatically delivered to your favorite smart device. Even more important, our website is the place where you can join in our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any questions you may have. And we have a growing Facebook community and a discussion forum. When you're on our site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know when new lessons have been added. Also, when you sign up for email alerts, our first email back to you will include a link to a special series we put together titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for joining our online community. It's all online at 20minutebiblestudies.org. Or, if you don't want to type so much, 20mbs.org will get you there faster. Moving on to Give 20. This is our special initiative to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can. We know so many Christians find it hard to make time to study God's Word and then feel guilty they're unable to do it. Studying the Word of God is so vital to our spiritual growth, and yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. This is why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 minutes for God, and now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. The Give 20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's Word. By giving just $20 per month, you can help us create more lessons and reach more believers than ever before. Plus, we pledge that every cent you contribute will go directly toward recording and broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. And since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax deductible. To join our Give 20 initiative, visit 20mbs.org and click donate. And finally, 20 Minute Bible Studies is a ministry of Mysteries of the Kingdom, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating Christians in preparation for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
If you liked what you heard today and want to go deeper into God's Word, we strongly recommend you visit the website of Mysteries of the Kingdom, MOTK.org. Yes, these radio studies are just 20 minutes, but our MOTK lessons last as long as needed to fully understand whatever passage of Scripture we're studying. So if you're interested in learning more about what you heard today, you'll definitely want to check out our in-depth, multi-part studies, which are available for free at MOTK.org. Thank you so much for your 20 minutes. I'm Andy Balog. And I'm Jordan Pine. May God bless you. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. All rights reserved, Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.